On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, Lauren Lieberman joins me for the brightest conversation in Hamilton podcasting, and we chat about the latest developments from Jody Wilson-Raybould. If you haven't heard this already, you want to hear this. The LRT. Are we doing the LRT backwards? And and the most important element, the most important issue of the day, how do you slice a bagel? Stay tuned. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Is SNC-Lavalin, those words... Are they getting to the point where they are causing people's brains to go when you hear those and and seize up? I'm not sure. Uh, Let me tell you who's in today. We've got Friday afternoon, brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio, we like to call it. And sitting next to me, the man whose voice could crack walnuts some days, Lauren Lieberman. How are you, sir? I'm cracking. Are you? Uh, This story... I got a few things. We're not going to go. We're not going to do a deep, deep, deep dive into this. People who are really interested in doing the super deep dive into this, there are oodles of places where they can go. They can listen to the entire seventeen plus minute recording of this. They can do all the reading and analysis they want. There's just a couple things out of this recording today, and what it is for those who don't know is that back. I don't even know when this happened. It was during the. Well, before the story broke, obviously, uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould was being, she says, pressured improperly to give a deferred prosecution. So basically, yeah, they may be guilty, SNC-Lavalin, of bribing Libyan people, but we're going to give them a break so they can continue to work in this country and all the rest of the stuff. We're, like, we're just going to take a pass. So uh, Michael Wernick, who was the Privy Council head, who is supposed to be, this is where I want to start today. He is supposed to be the top objective, nonpartisan, apolitical bureaucrat in this country. And when you listen to these tapes, I begin to wonder if he is apolitical and nonpartisan, is anybody who works in the bureaucracy not working for the Liberal Party? Because when you listen to this, I would argue there is no question who he is thinks he works for at least he, he, if you, Lauren, if I had not told you, or you had when listening to this, not been told who the players were, you would say he is a, he's a, he's a liberal Trudeau operative. He's a Trudeau operative. There's no question about this. Right. How is that? How, how do we have the people in those positions who clearly are working for one of the parties? I would love to know if in his tenure at the job, representing other prime ministers and other parties, whether he was the, the same, same um, for them, whether he thinks his job is to advocate for what the big boss, the prime minister wants. And if that happens with consistency um, through different prime ministers throughout his tenure, it may be odd, but it, at least it's nonpartisan. That would be true. No, it's, it's a, that's a very valid point. That's a very valid Let's call point. call Harper and ask him yeah. how he was as his. No, uh, you know what? You raise a very valid point. If he was this strong for the conservative party that he sounds like pushing for the liberal party then but but what i don't understand from this is that clearly on these recording in this this recording not these recordings on this recording he is speaking as the liaison for the prime minister to jody wilson raybould in fact he specifically says i've got to answer back to him i got to call back I, he's very says about the prime minister he says he's very firm on this why is he making these calls? Why would the prime minister not call his attorney general or his justice minister? Why would the deputy prime minister not do the call? Why do you have a, 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 a bureaucrat doing In this? In case she's taping the phone call? How about that for a reason? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, do you think, do you think they were thinking that at this point? Because this is before the story broke. 
Right, but we've had um, Trudeau's chief of staff resign based on his direct involvement. But after the story broke. Right, so um, nothing has come forward um, against the prime minister himself that has been as strong as Privy Council and his chief of staff. So he's insulated himself by putting a buffer around him so that there's plausible deniability. I didn't do this. He misinterpreted. He maybe he he experienced it differently. Right. Is that not the is that not the Trudeau line? That is yes. In all cases I'm where there's sorry a difference that of opinion, you feel that yes. In all cases where there's a difference of opinion, you experienced it differently. Hmm. Therefore, no problem. I so that that was the first thing that came out of this today that I just I was a little bit surprised by more than a little bit surprised by. I, I would love to believe that somehow in our system that when we have bureaucrats, that they are there as worker bees, not as operatives. Well, the Privy Council is not the party whip. And it sounds to me like that, uh, that job to get in line with the party line, um, that's weird from, from a bureaucrat, Sure. It also raises a, a lot of other questions, this conversation. Uh, the first one is, on a separate note, as of right now, is everybody in Ottawa wearing a wire and recording conversations? Right. You would think that that's going to be happening. Every phone call is going to be recorded now, and everybody who is going to have a little pocket recorder to, to get everything, because now everyone's on edge. And you know what else? Lauren, I bet you that right now there are an awful lot of people thinking to themselves, did I call Jody Wilson-Raybould? Did we talk on the phone? What did we talk about? Are there recordings of me that may pop out? Uh, I'm sure there's probably a few nervous people that may or may not have reason to be nervous, just wondering what they may have said. In any other workplace, when the company wants X done and the boss is clear, sending his top executives to tell you what the, the... the party line and or or and a corporate scenario is she's a terrible employee. It's, she could have quit. Many people, and I think to, with with cause in in some places, is saying, "Look, this is a woman who stood up for what was right, for what she believed." Many times in this phone interview, if you listen to a phone conversation, she says, "I I I believe I'm doing the right thing. I believe that I'm standing on principle and I'm doing what." You said, "Why didn't she quit?" It's a good question. I, She's been clear, as has all the experts, that there was nothing illegal about what Mr. Trudeau had requested. And, and Scott, appreciate, I am not likely to be defending Mr. Trudeau and his actions, but I'm, I'm missing a piece of this. And I think that, um, that she is a woman and that she is a First Nations woman is wonderful when you think about achievement. <coughs> Um, I don't think that comes into play in terms of how she was treated. And if any, so she doesn't get a pass because of those things. No, no. And, and the whole point of, of acknowledging, um, that a person of a different gender and a different culture has reached that point is they are treated like everyone else. And I think we can assume a little bit now that's how people are treated in the Trudeau government. So. If that's how you felt and that's how you stand, why did this all have to blow up for her to walk away? And how is she still a member of the Liberal Party? 
It's, it's weird. Well, that, let's go to the second part. The first part, I think, is a little more complicated because she may, I, and I, I can't speak for her. She's going to have to answer these questions and, herself. And the answer to, I don't mean to cut you off, no, but no. the answer to the first part is her demotion was um, her standing up to herself. We just haven't got those dots connected yet. So she may have felt as though I did nothing wrong. I stood up for what I believed. I don't have to resign because I don't have to quit the party. I don't have to quit my job because... I'm doing, she says several times in this, I think I'm doing to, to protect him, to help him. So that, that's what, but what I don't get is now that this, Lauren, this whole thing has blown up yeah. and she has apparently made it clear that she and uh, June Philpott are going to be running for the Liberals. They're still in caucus. How? Why? How, how is it possible that these two can run for the Liberal Party? In the fall election, assuming that happens. And Trudeau signed their papers. And Trudeau says, so you've either got them saying, we are happy to work under his leadership again, because that's essentially what you're saying. Not even essentially, that is directly what you're saying. You can't have it both ways. Or you've got him saying, I've got these people in my party who look like they're trying to undercut the party. I, I don't understand how they are still in this party. On, from either side, why he hasn't right. kicked them out or why they haven't quit. Because they're two prominent women and he's the feminist prime minister. But why so haven't they can't. quit? Uh, because they'd like to get reelected and the ridings in which they're in, they don't work as conservatives and they're not going to get elected as NDP. But you are then having to say that if we get reelected, we will have to run right. in a party that we are pointing fingers at as basically being corrupt. And when you jump up and down... On moral grounds, you can't pick and choose your public moral grounds. I'm absolutely holding firm. I did the right thing here, but I'm doing what's best for me over here. It it doesn't work. Lauren, if your boss in any job, I mean, and when I say you, I'm talking about Mm -hmm. the, the grand you of anybody listening. If you were in your office and you publicly call out your boss for improper behavior of any kind, whether it's financial or sexual or anything else, Mm -hmm. and then say, but please, I'd still like my promotion. I'm not going to leave the office even though, I'm not going to leave this job even though I can't abide what you did. I think you're not trustworthy. I think you're doing everything wrong, but I want to stick around and work for you. It, It just doesn't make sense. It only works if it topples the boss. But at this point, let's say that Trudeau eventually, let's, let's say that this thing continues and one of two things happens. He gets voted out in the fall or something else comes up that's even bigger and he has to step down. I don't see that happening, but let's say it did. I don't think he's going to lose either. But, so let's say that one of those two things okay. happened though, just for the sake of this argument. Is there any chance if this is the game they're playing or if this is the long picture they're taking, the long view, is there any chance that the liberals elect as their new leader, Jody Wilson-Raybould or Philpott? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So if this is... Because we're not loyal to the that, party. Yes, see, that's... That, exactly. They may have been loyal to the country, but they weren't loyal to the party. So if you can't work with the person in charge, if you won't probably like whoever is going to be in there, because he'll probably be a person who's already in the party, who was representing and being loyal to Trudeau and yep. probably sticking you in the back. Yep. And if you can't be the leader... There's no future here. The Conservatives and the NDP are now standing off to the side. If, if Andrew Scheer was a bright man. Just let them rip each other. Andrew Scheer should head down to Turks and Caicos for the next yeah. three months and disappear from public view and come back in about September 
and say, here for the election, ready to go. What's going on? Yeah. Just let them destroy each other. Here, here's another one. Sheila Copps. Who's that? Yeah. Who has been, as far as I could tell, absent for years. I haven't heard from Sheila Copps in years. Almost a generation. Suddenly emerges from some sort of cryogenic freezing tank or something where she's been kept for the last number. I don't know. We've not seen her. And she comes out guns a-blazing and is now teeing off on Jody Wilson-Raybould earlier this week. So this only adds to the infighting with the liberals. you got the old party, the old guard liberals fighting with Jody Wilson-Raybould, with Trudeau and all this. First of all, I, I, I said it earlier this week, shame on Sheila Copps. If you are a retired politician and you have stepped away from the game for a while, we expect you and want you, and you can disagree with me, Lauren, but I, I think we expect those politicians when they are done with that to get above the fray and somehow give a statesmanlike air. This was anything but statesmanlike. This was small. This was petty. This was mean. This was vindictive. This was Sheila Copps at her worst from when, back in, in the day. I think there's a big difference between being brought on the CBC and, and being interviewed on your thoughts or tweeting. And there's no dignity in tweeting on this from a former politician. That's like, hey, look at me. But she wasn't even tweeting about Jody Wilson-Raybould. She's taking shots at a justice, a, a, right. a, a Supreme Court. Which is an adjunct to this yes, story. Yes, it but. is. But he's not in the fight. He's not part of this fight. He is a footnote in this story yes. that there are suggestions that Jody Wilson-Raybould was trying to get this justice included as or named as the head justice of the Supreme, chief justice of the Supreme Court, and he didn't fit with the liberals' politics or whatever else. Right. And so this is now another reason Jody Wilson-Raybould is a horrible right. liberal. So we're going to not just tee off on Jody Wilson-Raybould, though. We're going to shred this justice who whose wife is recovering from breast cancer, apparently, and we're going to tear him down because this will help our cause. It was disgusting. Mm-hmm. It was disgusting, and it's embarrassing, and it's shameful, and Sheila Copp should be ashamed of herself. A quite lot honestly. of politicians miss the limelight, and you don't get it. If you're not in that position anymore, then then you're nobody. But to, but you can do it in a dignified way. Whether you, look, whether you agree, and he made a mistake this week, uh, Brian Mulrooney, or last week when he referred to some, he called someone a girl. He called someone a yes, and apologized instantly. And and uh, but that the, was an old man boo boo, not a malicious. That's kind of how I felt about it, that it was something, I mean, older people who have used different language in their past life. So Kim Campbell was really inappropriate using social media against Donald Trump, right? I I thought it was, again. Conduct unbecoming. Absolutely. You were the former prime minister of a neighboring country, of a friend country. We may not be getting along perfectly right now, but you were a former prime minister. So here's what elected officials don't understand. If they can't respect the office that they used to hold, how are we supposed to respect when they hold it? Great point. They they don't have a standard uh, unless they're in it. Great point. Great point. And so there are politicians. There are many politicians. I, I would argue that probably if you look back at the presidents who have left office, who are still alive, Jimmy Carter... Not a great president, but he has respected and been statesmanlike oh, to the no. nth degree. Absolutely not. Jimmy Carter has been way out there. He's had his moments on on all kinds of left wing causes that have not been statesmanlike at all. 
Certainly not. Bad examples, God. All right. I, I'm thinking of more of his activities that he has done to be a helper of the world and a bunch of other things. I, you're right. As, as I say it, as the words come out, he has But he's picked some sides. You're, where... you're right. You're right. He has. Uh, George Bush Sr. seemed to stay out Very of the fray. So. Yes. Bill Clinton, on and off. There have been moments, but m- more of the statesman-like. Yes. More of it. But I, uh, W stayed out of the mix. He has, George W. Bush has been almost, he said he was going to be invisible and he has pretty much followed up with that. His paintings are getting much better. Uh, And we have, I mean, Joe Clark, uh, Joe Clark was in town here probably three, four years ago. I believe if I'm trying to remember where it was, it was at the, it was at the gallery of distinction. And he had a friend, Joe Joe Clark was friends with somebody that was going into the Hamilton Gallery of Distinction, and he came to support that person as a friend. Lovely. And I was hosting that dinner, and after the dinner, I went up to Joe Clark and I said, I'd love to have you on the radio to talk about... No, thank you. And he said, I don't do that. I don't do that. And while I was disappointed, because you'd love to have a former prime minister to get his thoughts on here, I respect greatly the fact that he would say... That's not my place or my time anymore. Right. I had we, my time in my place. And truly, with the exception of Kim Campbell, we don't hear much from Mulroney, Kretchen, Martin. Kretchen has a little bit, but, but much. sporadically. Very, not very much. Once in a while. Martin, I haven't heard a thing. Right. Paul Martin's still alive, right? Before yep. I say that. I yep. mean, I haven't heard a thing from him. It's just, it's so, to me, it's so unbecoming. When you are no longer eligible to be voted for, if you're a politician and people can't vote for you and show their disgust or their whatever for your actions. We have it a lot in this city at a municipal level. You Former know elected officials Some, who need to but weigh not, in. But not the top ones. Bob Wade, gentlemen of all gentlemen. Deanny comments on everything. Larry Deanny is, but but Larry Deanny, I you don't consider him one. the top. No, I do. He <laughs> was. He was. It's different in only in the sense, only in the sense that Larry has specifically become a commentator since he left. It's not. It's it's not the same. I don't think. Now you can feel differently. It's not the same as being someone who just is not in the public eye and jumps out to take shots at someone. So so that. Larry point, doesn't though. cherry pick that he does it constantly makes it better. I've never had, put it this way. I've, uh, I, Larry has been on the show a number of times. Sure. He's, when I've asked him to come on, he has never asked me what the topic was and he's never said no based on the topic. So it's not that he is only picking the ones that no, I, fit his purpose. Of course. Anyway, I, we got to pick it on. Larry. No, we got to take a break because it's, but I was, I frankly found I found it disgusting this week that Sheila Copps would jump in on this one. Either be in the mix all along and be someone who is still in the political life or don't. But what this was and taking shots at someone who's not even in the fray. Sheila, I'm sure you got the studio number. Call in and defend yourself. Anytime. You're welcome to call in anytime. Take a break. Back after this. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. This week, uh, Susan Claremont from The Spectator did an exceptional job covering this one this week. Uh, The name Robert Badgero, many people know around here now, uh, mostly because how do you not know about it? Because it never goes away. He was accused and I believe twice convicted. I think it was twice. 
He's had four trials so far. Yes. I believe twice were convictions um, of killing Diane Warendowitz. And this is back in, I don't even know what year now. I can't even, I have to find the, the date. I mean, we're talking decades ago. And this story has been, have we ever gone three years without this story reemerging? Probably right. not. And so now he is appealing based on what he argues because he was just convicted back a year maybe ago. And if you're wondering what this story is all about, by the way, just before we jump into it, Susan did a terrific piece, a long form podcast kind of thing that you can still find at thespec.com, which gives you the full story because it's a very complicated story because of all the twists and turns now. Anyway, he is now appealing based on what he says is judicial errors and would like to have another trial, a fifth trial for the same killing. And is it, should I don't even know where to go on this one because it just seems to me ludicrous that we could be trying the same person five times for the same murder. And it's like we should have it. It's like we're making it a best three out of five. <laughs> Honestly, like at, at what point, Lauren, do we say either we're letting the guy walk away or we're leaving him locked up or we're, do, I, I don't know what the other alternative is. It, it's just, it's endless. Right. But I, I think you're leaving something out here, Scott. He, he's not going to get a fifth trial because he wants one. He's going to get a fifth trial if he wins his appeal that there was something wrong. And it keeps coming back because the courts, the judge, the prosecution are making mistakes that he has been able to win on to keep getting another turn at bat here. So if that's the case, if, if he were to win that, whose system is better then? Because in the States, if you are acquitted, you can't be, is no, no, no double jeopardy. Right. Which unlike Michael Scott in the office doesn't mean what is no second trial. Um, was one of the best Ooh. lines ever from that show. But no, there's no double jeopardy. So if you are acquitted, that is it. And that's very frustrating. It's very, fr- especially when you look at a case like OJ Simpson or yeah. one of those ones and you say, come on, L- find some new evidence and do this again. Uh, what, I mean, is their system better than ours or is our system where you can just keep doing this ad nauseum, a better way of doing it? I think that after a couple of one appeals, well before you get to a fifth trial, the crown and the judge needs to be especially careful when dealing with uh, Badgero. And we don't know they weren't because he hasn't won this appeal yet. Okay, but he's won other appeals to get to four, right? Yep. Like there's... It just is. because he wants another trial doesn't mean he gets one. He won on grounds of appealing what had happened the last time. If anybody watches, and I'm sure everyone at one time or another has watched 2020 or 48 hours or Dateline or any of these, you sure. know you know how all these go. You, yeah. you just have to watch Law and Order, quite frankly, that uh, th- there are cases down in the States where, I mean, you have to find new evidence. And even again, if you've been acquitted, um, like it, it's a very difficult thing. It is a very difficult situation because you don't want guilty people walking free. You don't want innocent people locked up. Sure. And yet again, I come back. I I just, I find it hard to believe that if you're convicted down there, did you watch Making a Murderer? I did not. Okay. 
Uh, many people have, will have watched Making a Murder. There are points, especially in the second season of it, where you're incredibly frustrated because many people believe that they're locked up for wrong reasons. Sure. But it's incredibly difficult to undo the jailhouse dorkies. You, it's once you're in. Yes. It's very difficult to undo it, and you get very frustrated. At the same time, is that not is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Is it a good thing that it's really hard to, or is it a better thing that you know what? No, if you can find anything, we can do another trial. If there's a, if there's one little error, even if it may or may not be entirely germane. Well, we, you know, it's got to be somewhat germane, but... You're making me think of um, the story of um, the hurricane. Reuben Carter. Yeah. Yeah. And that was not a man of significant means, and that was not... Uh, I, he made it happen. Now, that was somewhat unbelievable and arduous for him to get there, but... Well, he made it happen because all of a sudden he got attention through Bob Dylan and through a bunch of other people, and then it became pop culture and became the public eye. And then those Canadians who moved down there to to set him. That helped. If he hadn't had those (laughs) things, that he's, well, he's dead now, but he would have died in jail. Yeah. Yep. It's four decades that this thing has been going on for, and I just... It's crazy. It just seems implausible slash impossible that we don't have a conclusion to this yet. Let me give you the background on this, just for those, again, who are trying to keep up, because you do need a program to keep up with this story. Uh, He was out for a night with friends, was uh, accused of dragging Diane Warendowitz into a ravine, sexually assaulting her, strangling her, and then leaving her in a creek. 17 years after this happened, he was eventually convicted of first-degree murder. That verdict was overturned on appeal. Two trials followed that. Neither one led to a verdict. The jur- jury could not come to a conclusion, couldn't come to a verdict. Then in 2014, new evidence of a 911 call that, or I don't know if it was new evidence or evidence that had previously been excluded. Anyway, evidence that had not been part of the case before was brought in and he was convicted again, which brings us to today, which is where he is looking for an appeal. And Lauren and I have just been chatting about this because... It's not just the fact that he's had five trials by now. The ultimate aim of any kind of trial, of any kind of court proceeding, is to find the truth as best we can possibly find the truth and to end up with justice. Mm-hmm. That would be the, that's the, that's the goal. We don't always get it, but that's the goal. After you've gone through, if it, if it were to happen again, five trials where the defense knows how to defend against all the Crown's evidence and the Crown knows what the defense is going to say. Is it really finding justice anymore or is it just who is playing the game better at that particular time? I don't know that you could get justice at this point, one way or the other. If the court does not deem his appeal to be worthy, then... He won't get it. I agree with that. I, I mean, I, I agree with that, but, and I'm just so looking if a at, mistake was made in the last trial, whether he's a murderer or not, our law says that he gets another absolutely. shot. But do my, my question is if there was to be an appeal and if there was to be a fifth trial, do you believe that whether you think that he's a murderer or not, because just because he's been found guilty doesn't mean you have to believe that sure. he was guilty. I mean, that's, that's what the law has decided, but if he were to go to a fifth trial, do you believe that with any level of confidence, we would know 
that justice would truly be done. Well, this is a pretty weird case. And after five kicks at the can, there's something wrong with this this case. You, you got to think. Um, I don't understand. Now, does he, from his original conviction, remain in jail throughout? How does that work? Mm. Because it's only one murder, Scott. How is he not a free man by now? Well, because once he won the appeal, he would have... I got to check that. I I would assume that once he won the appeal the first time, because the conviction is then set aside, he would have been a free man. Then you've got two trials where he... And if someone out there has been following this more closely than I have, feel free to give a quick shout to Will, who's on the other side of the glass today, uh, 905-645-3221 or star 9900, if you remember this. But I believe once that tri- once that verdict was set aside and then he was free, and then you have two trials where there was a, stay, a, a, a hung jury, right. so he wouldn't have been in jail, and then he was found guilty and has been in jail, I believe now. I believe but that's but that he has come cl- nowhere close to serving a 25 year sentence yeah but who does this is canada valid point 25 means 8 that's a valid point 25 means a lot less than 25 that's um yeah no i i i'm i have very little confidence at this point just because this thing has become such a hash and if he's in jail and wins his appeal then he gets two for one credit on the time he's done on the last chunk. Probably. Yeah. At, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be ludicrous here. I'm not trying to be silly here. I'm, I'm truly not. I'm not trying to be sarcastic or flip about this. It seems as though this case has almost become so botched. Yeah. In some way or another. And I don't know who's botched it. And I don't even know that it's been bought. It's, it's become such a, a convoluted mess of some kind. It's almost... Like you would say to him, I'll tell you what, because you're going to get out after a few years anyway, Just go away. if you're willing to do two more years in prison, you'll be out after that and we'd be done and we don't have to go through this whole thing again. I don't, that, that's, right, that doesn't work for the I know, family I, of the I victim. Know, right? I know, I know, I know. Although it would probably work better than if he somehow gets another trial and is acquitted, <sighs> which who knows if that could happen. And what happens, and, and Lauren, not to, not to be ridiculous about this, but this whole thing is ridiculous. What if he goes to trial again and we have another hung jury? Do you have a sixth trial? Do you do it again? Like at what point do you, do you have to say enough? And here, I, I don't want to sound like I'm defending Robert Badgero. He's been convicted twice. My assumption based on that is my, my leaning is probably that I would lean towards the fact that he did. I haven't followed every, I'm not like Susan Claremont who's followed every moment. She would know. Except he's not been convicted twice. No, he was convicted twice. The first one was overturned by appeal. So uh, yes, by the law, he's been convicted once. Well, how do you even say that? Uh, He's been convicted twice. One was overturned. He's on a conviction now that he is appealing. So my understanding, my sense is, I feel, I'm thinking he's guilty based on the fact that he's been convicted these two times. But if he gets out again, does that mean that he is, what am I supposed to, like, um, but we don't just put guilty people in jail. We put people. We try to. Well, no, we put people who are found guilty yes. through our systems. That's. It's different. This is, is this, different. this one's a hash. I don't know what you do with this one at this point. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. 
this week the LRT came back up again, as it always does, never goes away. And the news for those who love the LRT idea, who are favor favoring the LRT, it was good news. The pr- federal government came here, the transportation minister, and said, "All systems go. We are still on for the billion bucks." And we are the bidding process has been extended so companies can get back at it and we can have hopefully more bidders and you can begin. Well, there has been no bidders. Well, because we, we don't know if there were going to be bidders because it was supposed to be the, this month or soon that this was coming. Anyway, and, and the reason people would say there have been no bidders is because the whole thing seemed to have kind of ground to a halt because we didn't really know what was happening. And so they've said, well, you can now buy up properties the, to Metrolinks along this path as well. Lauren... I said this last night. I'm going to go to you because I, I'm not. I'm simply not understanding. We have city councilors who have made it abundantly clear, and I talked to. I have talked to some on the air. Terry Whitehead was on the show a while back, just a week or so ago. I've talked to others off the air. They have made it abundantly clear they don't want to spend money beyond the billion dollars. They are not going to dive in for half a million dollar, half a billion dollars, or sure. two hundred million, or mm-hmm. whatever. So why are we buying properties at this point before we get the bids to come in to know, because if the bids come back and they all are at $1.4 billion, this thing may be dead in the water before we even get started. Why are we then buying up all these properties that the province is going to be stuck holding at the end of it? Why not find the cost and then do the stuff? Because the cost will kill it. If it was a billion dollars before we added the extension and many years ago, we know that that's 1.2, 1. 1.3, uh, we're on a meter 1.4. And we've already knows? spent 115 to 150, something in their million. Um, sure, except a lot of that that's is in properties yes. and in studies. Yes. So that's not exactly. But it's been spent it's, and it's I, included in the billion. Yes, but that's not. The studies are not a waste and owning properties are not a waste. They're not necessarily specific expenditures to LRT. So what we have is leadership at the city of Hamilton that needs the LRT, that wants the LRT, that lives and breathes for the LRT. So we don't need to discuss the logical, what's it going to cost and are we going to do it? We're going to deflect. And when, when our mayor was asked that question, you know, now that we're all full steam ahead and we still don't know the price, well, he's now suggesting that the feds are going to pick up the difference. And the feds were here not that long ago and gave no indication of that whatsoever. And it was the environment minister who Mayor Fred was pretending like was going to be picking up the cost. Uh, last time I checked, infrastructure is not the same ministry as environment, but whatever. Well, beyond that, by the time that we get in late September sometime, by the time we get a figure for what this could cost and the city could start to work on this, October is the federal election. We could have a new conservative. Potentially, we don't know what's going to happen, sure. but we know it's there's possible. stuff swirling yeah. around in Ottawa. We could have a new conservative government that probably will be saying, much like the Doug Ford government, we are spending way too much money. We've got to tighten our belts a little bit. And look, I, I, it almost sounds like when I look at this, and I, I want to reiterate, I, and I say this every time this discussion comes up, this is not a pro-LRT or anti-LRT position. It is a, 
cart we got before to, the horse. We've got to know what we're doing. I'm not arguing that we should not do the LRT. I'm simply saying if our city council is saying, or many of them are saying, I'm not going to spend 100 or 200 or 300 or 500 million dollars right. of city money, we need to know what the cost is so we know whether there's anything to start working on. So here. the alternative is you shrink it down. But they've said, Terry Whitehead was on here saying, my vote's gone, and I and he says he's spoken to other councillors who have said the same thing. I'm voting against it if of that course. happens. So at the whole beginning of the LRT conversation, it was about expediting transportation. It's the new age of transportation. Well, then we learned as a city that we don't have the ridership even remotely close to even be having that conversation. So then... LRT was about bringing you from transportation hub to other transportation hub, that it would have to go from go station to go station kind of thing. Well, it's not likely to be that. It's a moving target. The whole thing, whether you're pro or anti-LRT, both sides have been disgraceful for years. And the leadership uh, within this community could have had a real debate on where we are now during the last election. And the question during the last municipal election was, what are you prepared to do uh, if you're an elected as the councillor or as the mayor, if in fact it is an extra 200, 300, 400, 500 million of Hamilton tax dollars? Nobody ever asked that question. And on the, uh, and I want to say this because I, I agree with this, on the last election, the last municipal election, it was not directly, but it was, I do believe that it was a referendum in some ways on the LRT. This was how it was positioned by Vito Scroll. It was an, uh, uh, and he, and he lost badly. And so I think Fred is entitled to say whether in fact it was or not, I think he's entitled to say it was a referendum of some kind on the no, LRT. No, because Fred said it absolutely was not a referendum until he won. Well, and he can't have it both ways. And the only way and it was Vito a referendum. And said it wasn't a referendum when he lost. The only way it can be deemed as a referendum is if during the last municipal election, we put it on as a referendum Which we question. should have done long ago. Long before now, that should have been done. Fido got an amazing amount of votes for somebody nobody's ever heard of. So what it seems to me is happening here, and again, this is not a... I, 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 I just can't clarify this enough because every time you talk about this, if you show any kind of non-cheerleading... You're accused of being anti-LRT. Sure. This is not anti-LRT. This is pro-responsible money spending yes. is what this is about. If we're going to do this, I think we are entitled to understand what this is going to cost. I think that's not an outrageous suggestion. I think that's not in any way the outrageous. The only way to have an opinion is to know what it's going to cost. But Everyone's I, opinion is invalid until we have a d dollar figures attached to this. But what it seems like we're doing now, at least what I'm seeing as we're doing now, is whether it's a good idea or not, we're pressing ahead with this and spending so much money up front, even before we know that if they come back and say this is $1.5 billion, we don't know what the cost would be. The argument is going to be, well, we've got, we've already put $200 million. It would be a waste. We're too far in to not push ahead with this. And then we're going to be painted into a corner where the city is going to almost have to put hundreds of millions of dollars Scott, into this thing. don't tell the public Mayor Fred's strategy on this. But it's, 
Will, clip this tape, because this is this is my prediction right now, is that we're going to get to a point where we're so we're, far down the road yes. that we've put so much money into it that it would be nonsensical to throw that money right. away. So we're going to spend an extra few hundred million dollars to make that worthwhile. But if Metrolink spends another $50 million evicting people and acquiring properties, they hold an asset, logically, Worth fifty million that they can turn around and sell. It doesn't. This next step doesn't. Wait do a second. Anything further? I disagree with your point, though. I disagree with your point because if you buy these properties for market value, some of them not in currently attractive or most attractive parts of town. As you get down, some of the less than it's not. It's not all Dundas properties. If you suddenly, if this thing doesn't happen. And are people going to be going to the government saying, I'll give you full market value for that property? You're going to get less than full market value for those things because the provinces doesn't want to hold on to all these properties. They want their tax dollars. The city wants tax dollars. So you're going, no, to, people, you're going to have people who will buy this for less than people, market value. No, I don't mean Metrolinks, but I mean people are buying along the route at present yes. as speculators. Yes. They're not paying today what that property is going to be worth True. should there be an LRT. True. But if the if the LRT doesn't happen and the province now has to put all these properties up for sale, I'm not sure they get market value. Is my point it's down the road? It's possible. Real estate's supposed to only go up, right? It's supposed to. Anyway, I, I just I, there's enough of this that I just wish we would do this the logical, proper direction. Find out, get the bids in, find out what the cost will be. Make a decision based on the cost. No one has ever said, you know what? Build my house. I bought this land. <clears throat> Tell you what, Lauren, you're a developer. You're a builder. Build my house. Mm-hmm. We'll sort out what it costs later. No one has ever done that in the history of time, well, unless you're a people trillionaire. With other people's money. That's a different a story. To do. That's a different story. Well, But this is our money. This We're is not our- making the decision. No, I know. But even when you say it's other people's money... The argument all along has been, this is free money from the province, so it's not municipal money. The, the council has been saying it's not, it's a billion dollars of free money. It's not our money. But municipal money is our money. So they have been looking at it kind of like it is their money, even though it's not, even though it's tax dollars. No one has ever written a blank check and just said, just go and do it and we'll sort it out after and you come back and tell me what the cost is. You always, when you're building something, know what the cost is going to be. Out front. Up front. Because then you can say, oh, you know what? It's coming in a little low. I think I'd like to add the marble countertops because it's below my budget. Or, oh, you know what? We may have to take out 500 square feet out of the house because it's way more than I thought it was going to be. That's not, that's not um, anything other than the beginning of the conversation of missing facts and figures here. The operating costs, what's it going to cost us uh, in terms to subsidize this? What's it going to cost based on the the um, HSR losing the majority of its um, uh, revenue by eliminating its primary route? There has There is no reason for any counselor to have put their hand up one way or another on this. It's a math equation with question mark Plus question mark equals, do you want it? It, It's ridiculous. And I go back to my point that I said a moment ago, and that is anybody who doesn't seemingly do cartwheels about this is accused of being anti-LRT. And then you're a bad Hamiltonian. 
I am not anti-LRT. I am not anti-LRT. I'll say it the 12th or 15th or 20th time. I am not anti-LRT. What I am is pro-knowing what we're getting into. That's all I'm asking for. And if it turns out that we can do this for the money that they say that we can do this thing for and that it's not going to cost the city and that the billion dollars is going to cover it and it's all happy in the end and the as you say the the co- the cost of the maintenance and the the operating and everything else is then fine then fine but i am not excited about the possibility of a surprise a few years down the road and finding out that my taxes are now going to have to go right through the roof because we've got an extra 400 million dollars that somehow we have to pay that's all that's all and i don't think as i said Lauren, and you've said it too, I don't think that's an unrealistic position to take. In any other world, it's the first part of the conversation. Do you want this? What does it cost? Don't worry about it. Do you want it? I'll tell you the cost later. That's not a, that's not a question. That's not how things work. In our society, I don't think you could go into any store and not have a price tag on something. So you make a determination on whether you want to buy it, whether you think that the item is worth the price. And that's, that's what we do in our economy every single day. You don't buy everything. You make a judgment about the thing you are interested in buying. You go, I want that, but is it valuable enough to me that I'm willing to part with this many dollars to make that thing part of my life? You sound like a man with no vision. Oh, and I know. you're just I know. not a I know. progressive thinker and you know, you can either get with the program or, but, but Lauren, let me give you way. another example. Let's, let's say that you're a guy who loves music. All right. I, I, and, and so for you, uh, who's your favorite band? Do you have a favorite band? Uh, today I like Bruce. Sure. Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Okay. So let's say Bruce Springsteen was coming to first Ontario center. He decided mm-hmm. to do a concert here yeah. and they put tickets up for $1,800 a ticket. There are a lot of people who will go, are you out of your mind? Why would you pay 1800 bucks For someone who loves Bruce Springsteen, you might say, you know what? That is a price I'm willing sure. to pay for that because I, I think it's worth that amount of money. This is what we're talking about. This is exactly the same thing we're willing to talk about. What is the value to you? And for some people, there is no price, I don't think, that is too high for the LRT. I will pay anything to make the LRT happen. There are other people who are saying, I won't pay a dime for the LRT. I think it's a complete waste of money from start to finish. You and I, and I think an awful lot of people who are getting frustrated about this are saying, I'm open to it. Just tell me what the cost is. Right. Just tell me what the cost is. Except there's only 15 people with an opinion that matters. And clearly that's not true because there are a lot of people who have their ears whose opinions oh, matter fair, heavily. There's only 15 votes. True enough. And we got a wonderful uh, motion from Councillor Brad Clark imploring the province, before you do anything else, let us know where we're at in terms of costing on this. I don't think that's important to our mayor. Well, I don't know if it is or not. I, I'm, I'm only assuming, and it's a dangerous place to be, that that answer didn't come in the meeting yesterday with the mayor. Cause I do believe that if that answer had come, that would have been made very clear right off the bat. The province is in for whatever it costs to do this. That would have been, that would no, have been the a province has been a hundred percent clear. When the government dollars. has changed, 
Mr. Ford has been consistent, even though he's a conservative and he cuts things. And if you listen to this station during the daytime, you hear about all the evil that comes from Mr. Ford. He has been consistent. You've been getting it from different transportation ministers now. You're getting a billion. What else do you want from the province? That's your commitment. Just, uh, yeah, we're going to go. I, I I just want to know, I and, and I am getting frustrated on this one, because it's not about pro or con LRT. It is about pro-responsible finance. I don't think you can plunge ahead with any kind of plans until you know what the cost is, and yet that seems like exactly what we're doing. And, and to me, it's just wrong. To me, that's the wrong way to approach this, and clearly Lauren, too. No vision. Well, You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. You probably have heard by now uh, the debate, discussion, proposed law that is going on in Quebec, the religious Mm. symbols law that would, well, not essentially, that would very clearly ban any kind of religious symbols, clothing, jewelry, anything uh, could be a hijab, a turban, I'm assuming a yarmulke, I'm assuming a cross, although none of the stories actually mention a cross, but I'm assuming so. And, um, and this would be on any person who holds any position of authority within the province. So I don't know that it necessarily means workers at some place, but if you are someone who's a manager or someone else, you can't because seemingly the idea is, well, we don't want to have anyone feeling... Like they're being pushed into, I don't know exactly. In, what. in, in private industry as well? A new, here, let me just read it. Um, any p- public workers in positions of authority. So okay. be anyone in the public sphere. So no, you could go work for a private company. You're right. free to do it. Are they out of their minds? This seems so heavy handed, so much like a law that. When you first say it, you go, oh, well, that might help until you start thinking about through some of the situations you might encounter. And then you start to say, wait a second, do we really want to go down this road? This is the inevitable response to a society that has made accommodations too far, whereby Sikhs don't have to wear helmets because that's lunacy to me. If we've got... On motorcycles, you mean. Right. If we've got helmet laws, then that's for public safety. Um, I think... So the pendulum is swinging back. Ridiculously far, um, but it needed to correct itself a little bit. No, this can't, this can't last. This will be challenged. Um, People are going to have to resign from their public positions of authority um, over their uh, religious convictions, like it's it, this is not doable in today's. Age. Well, it would it would make it so that because I don't know exactly what would constitute a position of authority. I would assume a politician would be a position of authority. It mm-hmm. would it would ban anybody of any religious affiliation from running for politics at any level in Quebec, which would be outrageous. If, I mean, if you're serious, if you're practicing yeah. your faith, if you are a Jew and you wear a yarmulke, you could not run for public office. If right. you're a Muslim and you wear a hijab or any kind of, you could, if you're a Sikh and you wear a turban, Jagmeet Singh presumably would... Would be illegal. To be Jagmeet Singh. Yes. Yes. Which I, it, it raises a question. Would he even be allowed to 
campaign in Quebec if this law was passed? I don't know. Would he be the legitimate... If he were to win, and he's not going to win the race, but regardless, if he was to win, would he be the legitimate Prime Minister of Canada in Quebec? Right. I mean, it's a crazy... As you say, the the pendulum swinging so far that people have they've lost their minds some yeah. of this, and yet it looks like there's a great deal of support for this. Sure, sure, but Quebec wants to remain Quebec, and to a large extent, it has been very successful compared to the other Canadian provinces in keeping things the way they were culturally. There are way less modern influences on Quebec society than there are proportionately in Ontario. Their immigration is not the same as ours. It's not. They have, uh, and reasons like this, if, if you were, if you were um, a Muslim immigrant who, who wore um, obvious uh, garb of your religion or Sikh or Jewish or otherwise, and you were thinking about coming to Canada, Quebec's not sounding like a place you want to go now, is it? So is that ultimately the underlying main point of this? Yeah. Keep Quebec for Quebecers. We don't want the immigrants to come here. Right. So let's make it illegal essentially for you to come here. Well, you've got to speak You French. can come here. You can come here, but you're not going to work in the public sector and no one in your family is going to work in the public right. sector. The and opportunities so are not the same. The opportunities are very limited here. Yeah. And so you're not going to see anybody reflected in the public no. sector that looks like you. So enjoy Ontario. Do you think that's what it's about, really? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's not truly about, let me find the quote here that they used. Uh, the argument is... What, creating an egalitarian society? An act, it's an act respecting the laicity of the state to affirm religious neutrality that ensures a balance between the collective rights of the Quebec nation and human rights and freedoms, which is blah, 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 blah. It, I'm leaning more towards your suggestion that this is simply a non-direct way of making sure that immigrants don't settle in Quebec. The Middle Eastern immigrants in Quebec primarily are Moroccan or from other French language Arab countries. The Caribbean immigrants in Quebec are Haitian as that's where French is spoken. And they've got different rules on all kinds of fronts than the rest of Canada does anyways, (sighs) at least trying to preserve their language. How did we get to the point, maybe this is too deep and too difficult and too... I don't know, lighting a fuse statement even or a question to ask, but how do we get to the point when all religious expression, apparently in some places, are now seen as undesirable? I mean, go back to the early days of Quebec and frankly, across much of Canada and much of the states and much of the world, Many of the early hospitals were started by the church, by nuns and yeah, by course, priests. By the, the Catholics, the, the Red Cross. Uh, this is this is something that when you say, "Well, religion has never brought anything but war," you hear that all the time. Religion has never done anything but bring war. Yes, religion has brought war. It's also brought a lot of other stuff, of a lot of good stuff, and yet somehow we Literacy, seem to be deciding now that all that stuff. We want to get rid of all that stuff. It's, it doesn't do anything for anybody. That that seems to be the position that Quebec would be taking here. It doesn't do anything for anybody. Get rid of it all. We need to have a purely secular, egalitarian system in this in this right, province. But this this law is not about your cross. And oh no, tuck, it is. No, yeah. you can tuck your cross in your shirt. 
but they're taking the cross down out of the legislature that they've had on the wall since 1936. We got to show that we're not going to be playing favorites. So yes, you could tuck it in, but I assume you could tuck your kerpan in if you, uh, is that what it's called? The, the knife, uh, if you're a Sikh. Um, you, I mean, there's other things you could do. You can't tuck in your turban. You can't tuck in your kerpan, uh, your um, um, hijab if you're Muslim. No, I think that's very different though. I think that government um, forcing a lack of religious expression on its employees is a million miles away from government aligning itself with a religion. I do not need my city to wish me a happy Hanukkah, a Merry Christmas, or any of that. I don't. I don't at all. And it's not about it being inclusive or fair. I just, I got no problem with Christmas. But if that's, the, that's not government's role to get involved in that. But stuff if the traditional mind. greeting in our country, I wasn't going to go into the Christmas thing, but but if the traditional greeting is Merry Christmas and the and the city sends out Merry Christmas cards, is that a religious statement they're making or is that a traditional just seasonal greeting? I I think for many people, Christmas is no longer about Christ. Of course, Christ. I wish people a Merry Christmas because it's it's the traditional it greeting is, and it's that's what the season is. But I don't need to be wished a Merry Christmas from my government. I think, I think that's very different. I think if, the, if a city puts up a Merry Christmas banner over King Street, like they- well, you know, they have up, to do it for everything. Well, and I, they do. See, I don't, know, I don't know that they have to do it for everything. There's an ad in the Spectator f- wishing greetings of every holiday of every religion. It's silly. There are things in our, our society. Side. No, and, and how we got into Christmas, uh, uh, you know. But, it's, but no, it's, but there are traditions that you can defend as being traditions of our country that don't, re- that, that you can, st- I think you can set aside separate from the hard core part of the religious part of that. So if you, in other words, I'm not suggesting that we are expecting the city is going to be uh, reading the birth of Christ story from the gospel of Luke. Okay, but they do but put they, up a but nativity they, scene. But if they That's pretty religious and That not, is. That is, and I'm surprised they still do that. But if they We gotta have something for the deer who eat the cigarette butts to look at. It's an interesting one. I not it's not an interesting one what's happening in Quebec. I find this No, super offensive. Offensive beyond belief. Sure. And I'm hoping that someone is gonna come to the better judgment and that they will pull back from this because as you say what would likely happen is that it'll go to a, someone will take it to the Supreme Court of Quebec. I don't know what would happen there. And then the Supreme Court of Canada, do you want to run your, do you want to take your chances there? Or would you prefer that somewhere before it gets to that point, someone comes to some common sense? You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. You'll understand why I'm asking you this next question in a moment because I don't want people to wonder what the heck I'm talking about. With the last name Lieberman, are you Jewish? Yes. I assume so. Yes. Okay. I mean, I... It's okay? It's, no, no. Do I have to leave? No, you, no, you do okay. not have to leave. The reason I want to ask you the question is because in St. Louis this week, somebody did something. He took some bagels to uh-huh. his workplace. I saw this. And it has started an online war. Literally, well, not literally. Um... Sort of, because what happened is this guy took these boxes of bagels. Now imagine going to Tim Hortons or wherever else and getting a couple boxes of bagels, 
But rather than slicing them across the middle, like every human being does with their bagel, they slice it, they either toast it and put butter, or you put your cream cheese, or you do whatever. He has sliced these vertically, so these bagels are now, he sliced it like bread. Uh-huh. And people have lost their minds. A couple people, as a joke, but still have <laughs> made, crime. made a hate crime yes. claim to the U.S. government that this is an anti-Semitic hate crime, that they have destroyed the bagel. Is this a legitimate way to serve a bagel? Absolutely not. So first of all, um, I'm glad you as a Gentile pronounce it right. It is not a bagel. No, it's It's a a bagel. bagel. Secondarily, the plural of bagel is? Bagels. (laughs) (laughs) You have one bagel or six bagel. There is no bagel. It's like a moose. Yes. It is its own plural. Um, I and did not know no. That. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And third, a real bagel is boiled. With not with, just with baked. honey water. No, not just baked. No, we don't we don't have real bagel in this city. It's worth the drive to Montreal. Oh yes. Um and and I'm not sure how many people understand this is an ethnic food, not something created by Tim Hortons. Um, <laughs> you I, mean Tim Hortons didn't invent the bagel? No. No. Tim Horowitz, yes. Um, Tim Hortons may have invented the cinnamon raisin sugar bagel. Ugh. No, absolutely not. No, it's no the jalapeno bagel. No, that's that's not a bagel. The cheese bagel, and and you don't desecrate a bagel. It's a beautiful food. Uh, is is it it's silly? Is it legitimate to do any to hold on? <coughs> Excuse me. All this talk about bagels, I've got a sunflower sesame seed stuck yes. in my throat. Is it okay to have different kinds of bagels, or do you, must you stick with the plain bagel to be legit? So your real bagel is sesame, but a poppy is acceptable. Okay. But cutting it like like bread have, and serving it. You have two it. choices. You can slice it in the middle to create a top and a bottom, or if you're in line at Fairmount and you're driving back to Ontario and you're ordering like me a dozen dozen to go, you can actually Sorry, eat you them. order 244 bagels? Absolutely. I got I don't eat them all. Every ba- Sorry, 144 bagel? Thank you. Um, I got to correct myself. They it, it'll last 3 days by the time three everybody days. gets there. Everybody gets there. Oh, half you dozen. share them. Of course. Of course. I didn't know if you were going on some sort of gluten overdose. No. Um, but you absolutely when fresh can eat it um Without slicing it. Like a Krispy Kreme. Yes. Yes. You know what the plural of Krispy Kreme is? Krispy Kreme. I assume so. I have no idea. I just thought maybe you would. It's, uh, I, I don't, I don't speak Krispy Kreme. I have never seen this delivery system before though. For him to walk in, see to me what this is and anyone, if you haven't seen it, you can go online. You, I, I guarantee you, you'll find the pictures because this thing has become a problem. This to me looks like a guy who. In a mo- he, uh, he initially had a, ca- a thought of generosity for his workplace and thought, I'm going to buy bagel, plural, thank you, for my workers. And then thought, but you know what? We've got 35 people in the office. I'm not buying 35 bagel. What I'll do, I don't even want to buy 18 bagel and cut them in half. I'll buy 12. And if I slice them in enough pieces, everybody gets some and I save money. So if you go to the kosher section... There is a small kosher aisle at your Fortino's. You will see in the prepackaged, like a crouton, 
bagel sliced like this, but as like a cracker. Yes. I've seen those. Yes. So it's not an original thought. It's almost a Melba. Exactly. Yes. Very much so. Very much so. But no, unacceptable. So what would happen? I'm calling it the JDL. In what would happen if I went to Schwartz's Deli and I walked in and I said, Can, I'd like a bagel, please. Can you slice it vertically into nine pieces like a loaf of bread? What would happen to me? People would look at you like the weirdo you are. That's that's what would happen. I see. I think it would be more than that. I think there might be anger. There clearly is anger on this front on social media. There is real anger about the desecration of the bagel here. Yeah, that it's, there is a certain way. It's not right. It would be. I suppose I was trying to think of something that would be similar. It would be like people have cut hot dogs in half, but it would be like cutting a hot dog vertically as a half a hot dog. So you get one side of the bun and half of the dog, and now it's an open face half wiener, which <laughs> nobody would ever do. No one would ever think to slice a hot dog that way. Nobody would ever think to do the opposite of this with a hamburger. Rather than cut, if you're sharing a hamburger, you put the bun on top and you lay the thing down and you slice through and you make it two half moons. Nobody would ever think to tip it on side and cut through the meat and wow. do a vertical meat you slice. Some so you've got an open. Oh, no, I'm doing it as we're I, thinking. <laughs> there are certain ways to serve certain foods. I, yes. This is not the way. No. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.